0: this is tell me something good about retail with bob fibbs the retail doctor sponsored by core logic
1: so we can do as fancy analytics as we want it's what people do in stores that matters the most
0: welcome to tell me something good about retail with your host bob fibbs the champion for a more human connection in retail for over 30 years as a retail doctor Bob is the authority on brick and mortar retail across the world, who works with some of the biggest luxury brands to independent retailers of all sizes.
2: Today, I get the opportunity to talk with Phil Thorne, the CFO and founding team at Corso. Welcome, Phil. Uh, Bob, great to be here. So what is Corso and what does it have to do with retail?
1: Yeah, so Bob, we're one of these tech vendors uh, in retail space and unlike most tech vendors who are probably focused on the e-commerce side of things or computer vision those types of fancy things we're focused on the plain old simple brick and mortar store and in particular teams within those stores so of course there's really about two things it's the first thing it's about is for big complex retailers taking all the data tasks that they're sending to their stores and really simplifying it into personalized prioritized actions but the second thing which is just as important is trying to engage those teams to take the right actions. So like guiding them through the right actions that they can take, but also really importantly, tracking and measuring the impact of that. So people know what is and isn't working within their store and you can rapidly scale success.
2: So when you were in... Fifth grade there in the UK, was this what you wanted to do all your life and you found uh, your passion? Or uh, was there a story behind how you came up with this?
1: Yeah, it's slightly different in the UK. We don't get fifth grades or or, or any of those things. But I suppose like everyone or almost everyone, I think about 70% of people, yes, my first job was in retail. But I've been one of those people who's actually covered retail more from the outside looking in. Bit of background of how I got into this. So I spent the majority of my career before call, so really focused on what I would call a strategy in corporate finance around retail. And the interesting things about that is we would go into a retailer and we would spend three to six months with them, really trying to understand their business, understand their strategy, understand their financials, and package this all together either to raise some money or to do some MA or, or something like that. And what was so interesting was at the end of those type of engagements, I'd come to the end of it and I'd have Someone from the operations team or someone from the strategy team turn around to me and say, thank you so much. We've learned so much about our business by doing this. And it created this ongoing light bulb for me, which is, hang on, how, how by doing this type of activity, are you learning about your business through doing that? And it really came to this whole, there's a big disconnect between the center are spending all their time trying to gather information, do company results and all the rest of it, and not focus on really understanding what's happening in the business. And at the same time, it's serendipity, isn't it, how you come across these things. But at the same time, Julian and Dan, who founded Qualso and brought me on as the founding team, were coming to exactly the same realization in McKinsey, that you know, there's all this information, all these things that they were creating. But really what matters is the actions that people are taking in the business to actually drive it forward. And in retail, that's the people at the front line. And there was this huge disconnect between the center and the field. And the disconnect was not just in data, but recording those actions as well, which is why Quarter was founded and why we've been doing uh, what we've been doing ever since.
2: That's right. And so tell me, what do you think is your prescription for retailers, particularly they're on the high street, right, that are struggling? What do you think are a few things that several of them could do, but don't? Yeah. How's that?
1: Well, for, for people on the high street now, obviously I cover... Bigger retailers, but I think it's exactly the same things, and many things, Bob, actually, that you post about every single day, which is Imagine that. Imagine that. Retail is not that complex of a business at its very heart. It's about people and it's about merchandise. And it's about engaging not just the right products in front of the people, but the people within your stores to be doing the right things. And, and this is the thing I think we've learned so much when we've been out about Coursera. We can do as fancy analytics as we want is what people do in stores that matters the most. And whether that's improving their merchandising, whether that's upskilling teams, whether that's training people and salespeople to do the right things, that's the thing that we see massively driving people's businesses. But the problem is, is why are people not engaging people to drive those businesses? And I think it's because retailers have got obsessed with the prescriptive in some respects. They got obsessed with looking at the latest report or sending out the latest task. And even people on the high streets are probably thinking to themselves, How do I do these 100 tasks to get to this output? The most important thing is not just to do the tasks, but the next week to come back and say, what was the impact of those things? And that's, I think, one of the missing pieces that we see a lot in the engagement around retail is people are always being told, do more, do more, do more. They're never taking a step back and saying, this is what I've done, and this is what drove the impact of it.
2: Well, don't you think that partly, uh, Phil, comes from people not holding anybody accountable and we have so gotten caught on tasks. That's what always uh, gets me. I was in a furniture store um, not that long ago and this young woman had a clipboard and I was looking at something and she goes, excuse me, as she had to read the tag to write down on her clipboard. And I just sat there like, wow, so someone is managing this process And the directive has been you need to go through and make sure whatever this accountability is, and that's how you're adding value to the system. Meanwhile, no one is looking at you just pushed a customer out of the way who was looking to buy this item. And I think, you know, when uh, and thanks for uh, your general good regard of my posts on LinkedIn, you know, um, I think the danger of so much retail is it is continuing to devolve into it's just a transaction. And the more that it's just a transaction and not, oh, this is you know lifetime of of a customer. We don't even talk about that. You don't even hear that anymore. It's a matter of how much can we cut back on our employees? Oh, isn't it great that we have a labor shortage? Now we could say, oh, sorry, we're making mate. Nobody wants to work. Oops, we're bad. Um, And we'll do curbside and we'll do self-service checkouts but really not realizing those are all the things that makes a customer numb to going to your store, don't you think?
1: No, I, I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. I mean, this is just one of the many perspectives that we put here. We actually you know, talk about this in, in a difference between two things. There's a difference between compliance, which effectively everyone in retail is being asked to do at the moment, versus engagement. And I, I think focusing on something like engagement and encompasses of that word is so much more important. What does engagement mean? Engagement means engaging your employees. How do you engage your employees? You engage your employees by helping them master. Everyone wants to master being better at their job. Even people in retail. I mean, they're not just there transactionally. They do want to get better at their job. I've got an anecdote I'll give you in a second. You've got to give them purpose around the customer as well. But engaged employees, and Sam Walton said this, and he's one of the best people in saying, no, the voice of the associate is the voice of how your customer will treat you. And every retailer needs to realize that is this is the front line effectively in all sorts of respects between what what you are doing and the brands that you're giving out to your customers. Starts at the store, starts at the store employees and then goes to your customers afterwards. Everything else around that is a little bit peripheral. Those people in those stores are what is driving your business. And just an anecdote on the engagement side, but just because you mentioned the compliance checklist, one of the things I love seeing is the type of things we see being Written in Corso, and what people have done about it, and then the impact that they've seen of it, so I'm talking about one from yesterday, but there was a um, home improvement retailer who the guy saw he needed to do something in his paint display. now, if you thought about this account originally retailers would do is like compliance checklist, check your pog display on paint, make sure that it's fine or or something along those lines. refill it, and most people probably put a half hearted job into refilling it because what's the point? I can check off on my checklist that I've just refilled this merchandise. But this guy stayed after work to make sure that his merchandising of this paint looked great. So it came in all the right levels, all the right colors, and was a really great visual display because he thought, I'm going to see whether or not this can actually have an impact. Two weeks later, we're showing him he's tripled his sales. And he's become one of the best sellers of paint in the business around it. Those types of things are important. I'm not saying that just in the general nature of our software, but telling people what they've done, what impact that's had is so important for motivation around these things rather than then you just check up a checklist task.
2: Well, and to your point, just the opposite. I never show you that there's a reward. I never look at, how did we sell three times more paint? I don't know. I guess everybody wanted more paint, right? Instead of going, holy crap, somebody took, took an action on their own and let us know, I think that's really, um, that's pretty groundbreaking. You know, that's, we were just, we just heard the report. This is being, uh, recorded in the middle of November and, and, uh, uh the U.S. They just talked about a record number of people have quit in their jobs in October, and uh, people love to say this, but I think we are also in the age of the MVP, and is the minimum viable person. We have so demoralized the crew, we have so gone through, and you know, slapped on some. Acronym training, uh, magic, uh, BU or whatever it's going to be, were from people who don't understand engagement, who aren't customers, who've never sold on the floor. That we have made this. How do I get through the day without being fired or having a customer yell at me? And I don't think that's a fun place to work. I mean, you see it and I see it, Phil. But you also see the people where it does work, right?
1: Yeah, and I, I think this is the reason why people are actually having to wake up to this now. When you've got difficult labor markets, when when you're noticing the trends that are changing, I mean there there are certain things where the writing is just on the wall. You you have to do more around store engagement, store colleague engagement, because frankly, otherwise you're either not going to have employees, but also you know, think about it this way. This is the best source of actually improving ROI within your business. Not the fancy tech or not the, the computer vision or things like that. These are people that you have on the ground and the impact that they can have on your business is very material. And I just talked about someone who's taken an action three times in sales. You know, those are simple things that you can do with people who are already there. The, the thing I find so bizarre about it is that retail is a business that understands people, it understands consumers like no end. I mean, that is the whole nature of its job, is to understand people. But fundamentally, It understands people, it understands their motivations, their engagement, and all the rest of it in terms of shopping decisions. The people who are selling it, the people in their business are people too. And it's got to do as much to understand them as it's doing to understand the people that it's selling to as well.
2: Well, I think you're, you know, that's why you're on my podcast, because we are uh, kindred spirits. And um, I don't think we're all going to become second life and want to be metaverse, but it sure is eating up a lot of pixels. I don't think that curbside is here to stay and everybody wants it. I think some people do. I think there are people who have the um, luxury of being able to say we all we all want to work remotely because we don't want to go in anyway. But a lot of the world doesn't have that luxury and does want to go into a restaurant or into a retail store, and they want to feel something different than I would if I was scrolling through my Instagram feed. And you know that rats to the cheese algorithm that uh, social media is now being uh, targeted and how awful it is is the very thing that made all of us kind of addicted to it but at one time we were addicted to that one coffee house of ours or that one store you went to get your kids toys and are we on a, a cusp of that again do you think do you think consumers are coming out of a pandemic uh are looking for that kind of experience or is it really going to devolve into a click and collect world
1: well, I- Look, I, I think I can tell it anecdotally, and I think we can see it a little bit in the data as well, which is anecdotally, we're having this conversation, but the majority of people I speak to enjoy going somewhere. They enjoy the social interaction of going shopping or going to a restaurant. I mean, I, I can talk for myself. I've got that interaction. I love going to my local fishmonger. I like talking to him about the types of things that he's bought in, I like talking to him about the types of things that I can cook with it. I love speaking to my local shops, and my larger shops, uh, cashiers, seeing how their day is. It's, it's a fundamental social interaction, which is what we're all about. And I think the challenge, as I would put it, is that retailers, or all of us in general, just look for that shiny new thing. We forget about the main thing. I think as much as we can say about Jeff Bezos in, in different ways, the one thing that he said, which I think is so crucially important, is lots of people ask, what's going to happen over the next 10 years? I mean, that's a fool's errand to start predicting what's going to happen in the next 10 years. The more important question is, what's going to stay the same? And I think we've seen enough of retail through generations to know convenience and experience are two things that all shoppers are going to want. We've seen enough in this pandemic. I mean, you're you're noticing, I mean, even if you're agreeing in BOPIS, curbside, more online delivery, in a biggest way of, e-commerce that we've seen, um, the biggest experiments that you could've seen for digital, 90% plus of transactions still hit a store. They still were delivered by a store. They were still delivered by human beings and, and people within those stores. So the store is still going to remain at the very center of retail. And because of that, people are still going to be at the center of retail. People, I mean, retail employees, the second largest number of people in the US, it is one of the most crucial areas of people in general, in this society, in business. And it's about time that we started focusing on them properly because for all these reasons that we've mentioned, they are consumers themselves, but they are what drive our business.
2: No, that's exactly right. And I think um, I was talking to a reporter the other day and they were talking about uh, what is the future gonna be? And I said, you know, there's probably gonna be less stores um, just physically because we're over mauled in America and overstored. However, I think what's going to happen is the people that work in retail are going to be elevated from anybody can do this, faceless, no one, to much more of an ambassador, influencer, and, yeah, salesperson. I think that this conceit, this hubris of saying we can just keep piling more tasks on people and they will uh, do it only goes so far because you can't be both customer-centric and be an order picker. I'm sorry if you're going to be buying, taking everything out of your stores to fulfill online. And now I'm telling you, uh, yeah, I know you used to work on the floor, but for an hour or two every day, you're going to be picking orders. You're just shooting yourselves in the foot because the very people who could most engage your customers are the ones you're tasking to a job where they don't get to do that, right?
1: I mean, I, I suppose it, it's no surprise to anyone to hear that. I think the latest statistic we saw on it was the amount of stuff that someone in a general grocery or a general store had to do has increased 30%. Now, they were already overworked. I mean, this is an industry where 90% of them say that they work longer hours than they're scheduled to do so. And their amount of work that has increased 30%, that, that's un, undoable. And I suppose that comes to to the nature of what do you ask the store to do? What technology do you give these people? What processes do you give these people? Because completely, as you say, the whole element of the kind of direction that we're going to, the the area that you can probably get excited by technology, whatever technology that's going to be, is that it can take work off, the, the regular rote work off those store colleagues. And it should be focusing them on the things that matter most, educating their other employees, satisfying the customer, being these brand ambassadors, as you were just mentioning. And I think... The area where you can get excited at the moment is for a long, long period of time, business type technologies have probably been mostly send you another spreadsheet or send you more analytics or get you to do another task or get you to do more. And I think what we're seeing, and it's really navigated probably from the consumer side more than anything else. I mean, think about the latest app that you picked up and it, you are onboarded onto it within seconds. I mean, the amount of things in our daily lives that improve because we can get online banking quicker or we can get... Uh, to, to a service on a taxi quicker or or, or something along those lines. Like, just imagine those types of things coming into a store where they can think, okay, I can get to replenishment quicker. I can get better inventory quicker because I don't have to think about those things. I can think about the things that really add value. And that should be the promise that you're giving stores around the, the technology. There's too much of a conversation about whether or not that technology replaces them. The best type of technology is going to augment them.
2: Well, you know, I think about technology. I was in a shoe store the other day and I asked if they had a certain size and the young one checked her iPad and she goes, no we don't. And I was like, okay, well, I was in the shoe business, that's why I put myself through college in my 20s, which was more than a few days ago, and you would never have said that because you would have immediately said, well, okay, so I have this, I've got this and this, fine. And there's some technology we had Valium on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago and they they are able to actually show people, well, if this fits, then so do these and, and takes that guesswork out. But I, I said, nobody's taught them that your goal is to make the damn sale. That's what makes me scratch my head. It's almost like we are embarrassed that people should come and buy from us. And I hear it in the trades. You know, it's like, doesn't matter if anyone buys from us, you know, they'll buy it online. As soon as I walk out that door, I'm anybody's game. I can go to Amazon. I can go to Zappos. I could go to Gucci. I fill in the blank. How the conceit that you know I had a good experience with Jane, and now I leave the store and I remember Jane, so I'm going to go online and I'm going to find that and I'm going to order because Jane was. I
1: think that's a tall leap, isn't it? Well, it, I mean, it's a, it's a shift in culture and it's a shift in perspective, but it's a perspective and a culture that retail has had in the past and retail can have again. I mean, if you look at 20, 30 years ago, as Walmart was building itself, or as many retailers were building themselves in town and outside of town, even as you speak to people of that generation who went into stores, they have that type of experience. And there are employees coming into retail who want that type of experience. That's why they're leaving retail. They're leaving retail because they don't think they're mastering elements of business. people don't come into a store or don't come into a career and say, you know what I want to be? I want to be a task checklist, person. I just want to check off everything that I'm doing. I just want to make sure I replenish that shelf and it's done. They want to come in and they want to, to master their skills. They want to master their class. They want to be business people. And so I, 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 what what is there to lose from doing this? Yes, it's a shift in perspective. Yes, it's about engaging people in the right way. But I do fundamentally think that I, I do think retail is waking up to this. And retail is saying, this is the direction we have to go in. Because Otherwise, to, to your point, there's going to be less and less stores. There's gonna be less and less people going to them because if your experience in the store is no better than your experience of a delivery being sent to your door, you're going to choose the latter rather than the former.
2: Absolutely, that's what I say. If I make a trip to the store, it damn well better be worth my time. Well, <laughs> we're gonna continue in just a minute, but first a word about our sponsor Core Logic.
0: Millennials and shoppers alike have many options when it comes to retail shopping. Competition is fierce, and CoreLogic wants to make sure your business is front and center of the transaction. Robust property data gives retailers of any size a competitive edge, with a clear 360-degree customer view and a deeper level of insights into their targeted audience. Retail marketers can use CoreLogic's trusted property data to build a successful customer loyalty experience. By identifying new customers and uncovering accurate marketing insights, CoreLogic will help your business thrive. Learn more at corelogic.com find.
2: And we're back. And before we continue, we love CoreLogic and our loyal listeners. So if you do me a favor and give us a five-star rating after the episode, I'd sure appreciate it. So it says in your profile quote, Phil, on the side, Phil frequently (laughs) delivers renditions of his poetry and serenades us with a song on the rare occasion that the office falls quiet. Did you pick this up when you were studying at Oxford or?
1: No, I I, I will admit I I used to be a little bit of a choir boy when I was younger. And I have, you probably can take it from a little bit from the conversation i have always been a data and analytics type person hence the business that we create but there's also so much of life which is about the social and things like poetry things like music are things that we have in everything single different society and are part of us being human beings i mean i love not just the studying analysis side of things but i love when a retailer writes great copy or writes a great ad or brings people in in that way. because it's realizing that there's not just the science of business, there's the art of business as well. There's the art of convincing people what is important, what's not important, there's the art of bringing people in. And a lot of that time that comes from language or comes from areas that people don't necessarily directly think for business most of the time, but come from the arts, as I would call them.
2: Touches the senses. That's it. Well, you know, I'm a conductor. I got my degree in conducting and had my own choir and orchestra for an awful long time. So I totally get that. And I was always a creature of trying to figure out whatever I could do that would be new and interesting. So I didn't really work in the tech side of it. But I remember one time they were talking about pheromones, the smell that you can wear and colognes and how it made people like you better so <laughs> i remember for many months i wore this one cologne and i couldn't quite tell and then it was about colors and it was like oh hot pink is a color that makes people more i don't know fungible or something and I, and luckily it was in for guys to wear that and i'd try all that and we're all trying to find that secret that lets people kind of let their walls down right to come in and i think that happens in poetry happens in music and it also happens in retail right
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, As I just said, I mean, people can look and try to adapt these different tiny things that they want to do to, to try and improve themselves, try and be better than they were yesterday. And I think one of the things I also think is the element of what we describe as the scientific method, which is observing the world around us, trying to make some sort of intervention in it and seeing whether or not it was successful or not, is one of the most radically important things that has happened to human society. It's, generated most of the progress we see today. And human beings just automatically do that. We automatically say, I'm going to just make this little bit of a test, this little bit of a tweak. Did it work or not? And that's what's so important about the nature of how we work in business, how we work in retail, how we work elsewhere, is what are the little tweaks that we're doing every day? What are the small differences that they're making? Because as those small differences accumulate, they add up to very, very big numbers at the end of the
2: day. That's that curiosity factor that makes a difference. So how's the way you thought about retail changed in the past few years? Has it markedly different <laughs> than when you began? Or, I mean, I,
1: I would say if you'd asked me 15 years ago how I thought about retail, I think I would have thought about it very much in a way that I think many people in kind of central teams probably think about retail, which is I change a number in a spreadsheet and this will certainly happen. Won't it? And we've got this sort of growth trajectory. This five percent growth will happen because I put it in the budget and I put because I put it in the spreadsheet. I, I think the big things that I and we have learned about retail is I would I would say two things. One, just how noisy and volatile big retailers can be under the surface, and how much opportunity there is in reducing that noise, so to say. Of and if you could get even your the way areas where people are performing at the bottle up to even like where they are performing at average, you could probably double the profitability of your business. Uh, but it's about finding those and giving the right motivation around doing those things. And then the second thing, just in terms of the whole conversation that we've been having, is business is made by the actions of people on the front line and what people do within a business rather than what people say. And so everything that you can do to make those people motivate those people to take the right actions, engage them in the right way. It's going to have profit to your business.
2: I couldn't agree, more, my friend. Well, we are towards the end of our time together. You've been gracious to join me all the way across the pond. Now, the title of the podcast is Tell Me Something Good About Retail. So this is your moment.
1: Well, tell me something good about tell retail. Tell me
2: something good about retail.
1: About the, the great thing I would say about retail is that as the world is opening up, retail is going to be the social interaction that everyone has and despite what anyone is saying about the metaverse or online or all these fancy new things that are doing the heart of retail is still the brick and mortar store it creates so much social enjoyment when people quit going shopping it creates so much employment it creates so much social good in the world so people should invest in it and should people should think about
2: it i love that well that's a great place for us to end thanks for joining us today phil
1: no worries thank you very much for having
2: me Go.
0: You've been listening to Tell Me Something Good About Retail with Bob Fibbs, the retail doctor. As a listener, you can receive free information and guides when you visit retaildoc.com and sign up for our exclusive weekly newsletter. Thanks for being with us. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. To virtually bring Bob to all of your crew and associates, check out www.salesrx.com.